We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Monday night after the Wolves beat the Blazers again. This time by 43 points. Final score, Wolves 124, Blazers 81. That's five wins in a row for the Wolves. They beat the Cavs by five, the Warriors by 15, the Thunder by 37, the Blazers by 14, and then the Blazers again tonight by 43. That's 114 points. For the margin of victory in these five games. And if the Wolves beat the Thunder on Wednesday at home, that will be six in a row. And the last time this franchise won six games in a row was 2004. 2004. I mean, we can talk about the quality of the opponent and all that. I think we all get that the Blazers and Thunder are tanking. I kind of actually just found the Blazers roster to be funny tonight. But at the same time, those wins count too. Obviously, they count in the standings. But I think we're, we're seeing a bigger value or we're seeing the bigger value kind of from these games be sort of the, the fun of it coming in the fun department. And right. That's a little bit harder to quantify the value of. Right. Like what exactly is the value of there being fans at every game and fans that are invested in the, the result? Like this is this is new for the Wolves. I think we and the players have gotten used to like getting close to no value in the fan department. Not that there haven't been diehard fans here throughout all of it, but there just weren't a lot of them. There weren't a lot of them at the games. And those who were invested, they just weren't being given a lot to cheer about. But now there's there's more of them. There's more fans. There's a lot of fans at the games. And they legitimately are engaged. You know, from where I sit, like I really noticed it for the first time at the the Charlotte game right before right before the All-Star break like people were there people are up and you were sitting there going like oh okay like yeah home court advantage is a thing and it was a it was an advantage because you actually saw the players feeding off of it but tonight against Portland I thought was kind of the the pinnacle of that from what I've at least witnessed in person since I've covered this team I mean the bench was the bench was going wild. You, you got Cat up running around with the fans while they're doing the wave. You got Ant dancing. You got Patrick Beverly grabbing the t-shirt gun from Crunch and starting to shoot 
shirts into the stands while the game was still going on. I mean, it was like maybe an overreaction, but it was like the 2008 finals where, you know, remember when Paul Pierce like dumped Gatorade on Doc Rivers with like eight minutes left in the game? I mean, that was that was the environment tonight. It was it was a it was a ruckus. So my question is like, what what is the value of that? You know, for Josh and Kogi, he knows like we do, like he knows the value of not having it and not having that lift. Like a Kogi got here during, you know, Tibbs's last disjointed year when he got fired. And then a Kogi was a part of two rebuilding years after that. And this is this is year four for a Kogi. And really the first time he's ever experienced this. Here's a Kogi on the atmosphere after tonight's game. Josh, you've uh been around here quite a while um just what did you think of kind of the atmosphere in the building the fourth quarter kind of the way the fans were getting after it with you guys on the court well um first things first shit jake layman for mvp <laughs> tell you that but they were great um electric you know usually when you blow a team out like that usually the energy kind of fades people leave you know try to get home but you know a lot of them stayed and still had the crowd i mean still had the uh, building rockets that was that was fun to see. Have you felt things kind of build over the last couple of weeks in here and just kind of people getting a little rowdier and getting behind you? Yeah, 100%. Uh, seeing sellout crowds, seeing crowds get electrified after defensive plays, offensive plays, you know, whether the, you know, get on the refs, like any like, any little thing, like the crowd gets hyped. So, you know, I'm loving it. Um, I feel like, oh, because I remember when it wasn't like that. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm glad, I, I'm glad it's like that now, though. Yeah, will this energy push the wolves in the playoffs like i mean i'm not sure they're gonna need it to get in the playoffs like this team is already pretty baseline good right like they are going to some version of the playoffs if we if we loop the play in in there i mean and as far as the sixth seed to like lock in the playoffs without the play-in goes like you know that's somewhat out of their control dallas and denver just keep winning they both won again tonight but I think there is certainly value in driving upwards down the stretch of this season, even if it isn't all the way to the six. Like, I think that the difference I'm feeling lately is a decreasing concern about a letdown from this team, right? Like there's a big difference in going into the play and playing like this versus kind of backing your way into the seventh seed with, you know, like a 500 record down the stretch of the season. I mean, we have just seen such a lack of consistency from this team over the course of the year, you know, winning streak here, losing streak there. Like, and I think there was a concern that this team might find itself in the midst of an inconsistent stretch closing out the season. And I feel like the fear of that happening is starting to go away. They're becoming more consistent. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win their final 16 games this season, but I'd also be pretty surprised if they even have like a three-game losing streak at any point in those final 16. I mean, call that growing maturity, call that just getting better, whatever, call it the fans. But this team is beginning to play like a team where a significant letdown would feel like a bit of a surprise. Here's Chris Finch after the game on the fans, but also on how the expectation has to be to keep this up, keep growing, keep giving them something to get loud about. What can you say about the atmosphere here in Target Center tonight? Oh, it's great. It's, it's, it's awesome. We just keep growing and growing. Our fans are really, are really doing a great job of coming out and supporting us. Um, you know, I've always 
thought it was just was a tough place to play. You know, I mean, my time in the league here, um, to outstanding sports town. You know, he's got to give them a reason to keep coming out. You know, I think it's a team that a lot of people like to watch play. Um, we play hard, we share the ball. Pretty exciting, even our mistakes are interesting. So, uh, um, yeah, no, it's, it feels like we got something growing here and we just got to keep building on it. It's our responsibility to keep, you know, giving them performances that they can chew on. Chris, have you felt that kind of grow as the season has gone on, really, particularly the last maybe couple of weeks? It seems like the building is filling up and it's getting a little rowdier. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. Um, and, you know, I think that's what happens when you start winning some games. Um, and, you know, first thing we always wanted to be here was competitive and relevant. Um, and then from that, you know, we just kind of keep building it up. We're nowhere near where we need to be. Uh, but we're creating a pretty nice home court advantage. You know, and, and that's not just um, the way we're playing. A lot of it just has to do with the atmosphere. Um, you know, the organization's doing an excellent job. Uh, and the fans are really responding and coming out and supporting us. Sorry about the audio on that one. Finch's audio on the Zoom wasn't great tonight. But I thought those were some important lines. So <laughs> I hope you heard them or, or skipped through them there. But... The Wolves do have another home game here on Wednesday against the Thunder. Again, should be a win. But after that, the gap between, as Finch said, where they are and where they need to be, you know, that's about to be tested a little bit. After OKC, it's a road, road back-to-back against Orlando and Miami. Then another road game in San Antonio. I mean, those are games that you have to do a lot more than just show up. Like tonight, you could pretty much just show up and you were going to win. And I think continuing to compete in those games is is the price of keeping the energy up of this group, right? Orlando, Miami, and San Antonio, like the same. That isn't exactly murderer's row. They're more just like prove it games, right? Prove that in this cake part of the schedule over the past week or so that you could have beaten real teams in this run. You just didn't. They just weren't on your schedule. Because after that, then you got the Lakers at home and you got the Bucks at home. Okay, like that's harder. But, but you're at home. Like the expectation should be to at least split that, right? Easy. Then you go to Dallas, you know, like, sure, they're rolling, but there's your chance, right? There's your chance to make up a game on a team ahead of you in the standings, go out and beat them. I think it's perfectly fair to say the Wolves have proven something in these two weeks since All Star and that they still have more to prove, right? That's, that's what a growing team is. And we measure how big that growth is based on part two based on what are you going to prove next? I'm fascinated to see what the answer to that is. All right, let's mix in a quick break here and try and pick out some more bits and pieces from this uh, from this blowout game to dig into. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' 43-point win over the Blazers tonight. Before we start talking about specifics from this one, can we... Can we talk about this Blazers roster? I mean, oh my God, I've watched a lot of tanking basketball over the years, and I don't think I've ever seen a worse group of available players in the game. I mean, what, and I don't mean any disrespect. It's just like, what What was this team? I mean, the starters were Josh Hart. Okay, that's legit. Then you got CJ Ellaby. He's on a minimum contract. You got start Drew Eubanks. He's on a 10-day contract. You start Trendon Watford. He started the year on a two-way. Now he's on a minimum contract. And then you start Brandon Williams, a point guard who is currently on a two-way. I mean, that's that it's ridiculous. And then off the bench, they have Kelgen Blevins, two-way contract, Greg Brown, the third minimum contract, Ben McElmore, minimum contract, Elijah Hughes, minimum contract. And the tenth guy was Keon Johnson, who's a 19-year-old rookie. I mean, that is a that, <laughs> I, I don't know. What, what is that? Five minimum contracts, two two ways, a 10-day contract, and a 19-year-old plus Josh Hart. Like, that is... We might have a problem here in the league, officially, with, with tanking. And, I mean, certainly from that group of 10 guys who played tonight, you know, no one in the group could remotely check Cat, right? I mean, Cat hardly played in the second half, but he still finished with 27 points and 13 rebounds in the game. I mean, what we're seeing from Cat this year is a new way to be able to punish guys that can't guard him. You know, as we've been talking about for a while now, like Cat's offense this season has largely been driven by his newfound ability to drive. And that specific skill set, just beating your guy off the bounce, is such a powerful tool to be able to tap into whenever he has the ball. I mean, think about it. Like in a previous season, if Cat was playing going up against this exact group of Blazers players, you know, he wouldn't have been able to do as much as he did tonight because, I mean, the Wolves would have still fed old cat, but they would have been more limited to where they could feed him, right? It would have been on the block for post-ups or would have been at the top of the key to just bomb threes. And in those post-ups and spot-up play types, you know, cat is just inherently more at the mercy of his teammates. You know, if he would have tried to post up all night, like, I don't know, he still would have got his to some extent, but they would have swarmed him in the post and they would have made him a passer. Or if they would have just put Cat in the quarterback spot at the top of the key looking for his shot, like the Blazers would have just pressed all the way up on him, you know, trying to force him to be a dribbler. Well, Cat is a dribbler now. You know, he's a driver. So you cannot only put him at the top to try and take guys off the bounce, but you can also give it to him at the nail where he can go to work. You can give him to him at the elbow extended, and he can go to work on the drive there too. It's just harder to guard him the more you diversify the ways you can use him. And then when the team doesn't have answers for all those ways that he can score, they end up fouling him. And that's what happened tonight. I mean, Cat had 15 free throw attempts tonight. One time in 2016-17, I looked it up, Cat took 20 free throws in a game. But other than that, 15 free throws in a game was a career high. And he took 15 tonight in just 24 minutes of play. I mean, in the game when he shot 20 free throws, I looked up, he played 42 minutes in that game. 
So what's happening is Cat is expanding the ways in which he can punish you offensively, and those new ways are more punishing in how they get Cat to the line, right? He, we're seeing another evolution of Cat's game here. Now we just need to see him put it all together, right? You know, to pick nits on Cat's game lately, which I understand is unfair to do, player of the week and all that, but... If there's a nit to pick recently, it's that he's just really dropped off his three-point volume lately. You know, since Cat returned from COVID back on January 5th, that was 29 games ago, he's only taken 128 total threes. I was just pulled up the list from that time. And Jaden McDaniels, same amount of 29 games. Cat's taken 128 threes. Jaden McDaniels is taking 118 in 235 fewer minutes. I mean, Anthony Edwards and Malik Beasley, who have both missed time over that stretch, have taken 80 more threes than Cat has. I mean, that's only 4.4 threes per game from Cat. Do it per 100 possessions. He's shooting 6.2 threes per 100 possessions in those 29 games. There are 10 players on the Wolves shooting more threes per 100 possessions in that time. Now, a couple of those guys are garbage time guys like Bull Morrow's on that list. But, you know, why is Jalen Noel taking threes more frequently than Cat is? Why is Jaden McDaniels taking threes more frequently than Cat? Why is anyone taking threes more frequently than Cat is? You know, not to be fair, the Wolves have the number one offense in the NBA in that time, so literally picking nits here. So I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not saying in the aggregate that this the team-wide offense isn't working, not at all. I'm just saying there is a button to press, another button to press still that pretty clearly would make things even better. I mean, just hypothetically, let's say Cat shoots 10 threes a game for the next 10 games, doubles the volume of what he's shooting right now. How many of those 100 threes do you think he would make? I mean, it's probably not going to be still his typical 40%. Would it be 37%? Uh, let's conservatively, we'll call it 35%. I, I would bet the over on that. But even a 35% three ball has the expected value of 1.05 points per possession, right? 0.35 times three. Since that January 5th date in half court offense, the Wolves are number one in the league. Number one in the league. That used to be a big problem at the beginning of the year. Number one in the league in half court offense. But even that number one half court offense is only generating 1.03 points per possession. So even cap making, taking a three that has a 35% chance of going in, that is an upgrade on that. Now, at the same time, if you're just constantly looking for cap, maybe there's going to be more turnovers, more fouls that drive that per possession bit down. But even cat taking 10 threes a game and only making 35% of them would be an upgrade on their current level of their half-court offense. It's just, it is an opportunity to charge the offense up even more. I mean, cat often talks about how he determines his aggression in a game, you know, based on a few things like in this time without Ant, he's talked a lot about how he's just chosen to be more aggressive, right? That's what the game has asked him to do. And similarly, he's talked about how, you know, when he misses a couple threes at the beginning of a game that he just kind of chooses to stop prioritizing the three and he leans in other parts of his game where he has success. But I think if there was one thing I could change about Cat's basketball mentality would be that. It would be the stopping shooting them. And I say that because even if he goes 0 for 3 from deep in the first quarter of a game, I think deciding to stop shooting them for the rest of the game carries 
a greater negative current with it than just continuing to risk missing those shots. Right? Does that make sense? I asked Chris Finch before the game about how Cat has chosen to be more aggressive lately. Here's Finch unliking it, but wanting that aggression from Cat always. Carl's talked a lot this season, but particularly since Cat has been out about kind of determining what his aggressiveness is going to be based on the personnel that surrounds him on the floor. How do you feel he's done recently, but also for the season of just kind of towing that line? Yeah, I think he's been outstanding. Picking him. We've said this before about him. He's, even games when he's had like big quarters, he may have been quiet for most of the game, but he has this incredible sense of timing and when to step up when our team needs him the most. Um, he's done a good job of trying to foster uh, chemistry with Ant. Uh, you know, Ant kind of just uh, not playing second fiddle to him, but just getting doing things with him that you know benefits Ant. Uh, and that's not just being out there as a spacer, but also in actions. And, um, yeah, so, you know, I think he's done a great job at it. Uh, I, I want him to be aggressive all the time, you know, but not necessarily to score, but to also make plays and stuff, too. And I think that's the other thing. Like we've seen the time, I think, when Dilo was, Dilo's been out, he got a triple-double. Or he had almost had two triple-doubles in that stretch of games when Dilo was out before. So he can you can certainly continue to run your offense through him as a facilitator as well. I think what Finch is getting at there is basically the idea that, yes, you know, Cat could just fire every time. That would probably have an adverse effect on the rest of the team, right? Maybe specifically Ant. I think what he's saying there is that first and foremost, they need Cat to be a playmaker. That's what this offense is predicated on. But second to that, if the playmaking is achieved, a little bit more offensive aggression from Cat when they're back at full strength would be beneficial too. I mean, the effectiveness of Cat compared to the Jokic's and the Embiid's of the league has never been about his effectiveness and his efficiency. It's always been about how much does Cat do it, right? Jokic and Embiid are having more impactful years this season in part because they just shoot more and are used more than Cat is. What's been interesting about these now four games of Cat without Ant is that he is ticking that usage upward towards Jokic and Embiid levels. And the effectiveness has not been worse for the Warriors. Just one Western Conference player of the week in the week that Ant was out. The reason I always bring up the three-point shooting is because I think it's his path to doing something that those two, Jokic and Embiid, cannot do. Cat's ability to shoot the ball, if done at a high volume, is what gets him to be at those at the same level as Jokic and Embiid. Which is, of course, a crazy high... I mean, those are the MVP. One of those two are going to win an MVP this year. And the idea that there is a path that's possible to envision with Cap being on that level, I mean, that feels, well, feels pretty significant. Related to all that, we did not have Anthony Edwards again tonight for the fourth consecutive game. Ant took the night off to rest his left patella tendinopathy. Uh, and this one also, in addition to Edwards being out, uh, was D'Angelo Russell who was also given the night off to rest his hamstring. Here's Finch before the game, just because I figured y'all might want a little overall injury update on the team from Finch. Here's Finch reassuring us that this was just a, a rest situation for D'Lo and that Ant actually sounds like he's pretty close to returning. D'Angelo was, I think, added to the injury report 
what's his prognosis and was that just soreness that has come up or yeah just uh, yeah i mean it's just been a brutal stretch as you know um guys are carrying a lot i was i was just fearful of that last game guys just you know dropping like flies and they were just you know hobbling around just trying to get fresh it's like even though we don't have back-to-backs i don't want to be one to complain about the schedule but we do have a bunch of games coming up here with another back-to-back at the end of the week um so we're just trying to just, just trying to get these guys as fresh as possible for what's extremely important 17 games do you make um, any of those determinations on who plays or doesn't just uh, on if enough, the team you're playing is depleted at all, or do you not look really. at that at all? Or no, no, these these are these are basically about us. This is, yeah. um, any more clarity on just your other guys? Ant and uh, uh, Ant is also out. Um, he went through uh, a great workout today, but we just we just didn't feel like we wanted to risk anything tonight, so we wanted to get him to a certain place uh, with his cardio. And we have another couple of days to do that. As annoying as the Edwards knee injury has been, it does sound like the Wolves are approaching full health on the roster. You know, outside of Ant and Delo, everyone else played tonight. Jalen Noel got hit in the face during the game, went to the locker room, but it sounds like he's fine too. And when I think about this team and, you know, being at full strength, like that's a pretty big advantage for the rest of the season compared to the rest of the league. I mean, the Wolves might be at full strength going into their final 16 games of the season. How many how many teams in the league can say that? Can any team say that? I mean, I'm not monitoring the injury report of the other 29 teams, but you know, anecdotally, just watching every Wolves opponent they've played for the past like six weeks that hasn't had a top player, I'd say the Wolves are about to be in a position where they have a significant health advantage over the rest of the league. And the more I think about it, that might be the best case for betting on this Wolves team to get that six seed. You know, with the Mavs and Nuggets just continually winning, it feels like some of the the steam of the idea that the Wolves can be the six seed is kind of, I don't know, gone away. But, you know, given that those two teams are banged up themselves, I do think the Wolves have some reason to believe that they can outpace those teams the rest of the way. Still two and a half games behind the Nuggets, still three and a half games behind the Mavs. And I know there's only 16 games to go for the rest of the season, but partially based on the health, I'm not ruling it out. There's definitely a world where one of those teams slow down. Only one of them has to slow down to get the sixth seed where the Wolves, they keep up a similar pace, you know, that they can pass them. And I just feel more confident about that world being a reality when the Wolves roster is at full strength. It's harder to beat. All right, let's hit on prize picks here to grab a couple other notes from tonight's game. Uh, while the Wolves have been winning <laughs> since the All-Star break, I have not been winning in prize picks. I made four picks tonight, only got one correct again. And I think the pick I got right, I can't even take credit for. I took the under on nine and a half points for Jared Vanderbilt tonight. Only reason I got that was because Finch basically shut Vando down in the second half once the game was out of hand. Vando finished with just four points tonight, but he only played 18 and a half minutes. Three picks I got wrong. I took the over on one and a half made threes for Cat. Cat only took one three tonight, missed that one. Also took the over on three made free throws for Josh Hart, missed that. He only made one free throw tonight. And then I took the over on five and a half rebounds for CJ Ellaby, but Ellaby also only finished with three rebounds. So these uh, these tanking teams are getting me. Uh, that's that's one and three on the night. Brings me down to 137 
117 and 10 on the season. If you're already playing prize picks with the rest of us, I appreciate you signing up. If you're not yet signed up, or if you have a friend who might want to sign up, still plenty of season left, and prize picks will still throw you a $100 sign up bonus if you use the promo code Dane when you create an account. 100 bucks for signing up. If you use the promo code Dane at prizepicks.com or on the prize picks app. All right. Like I said earlier, the Wolves got no help in the standings tonight with Dallas and Denver both winning. But like I said, you know, that's that's not going to last forever. <laughs> Eventually, one or both of those teams will lose. One of these times, I will have a Mavs or Nuggets loss to report. I promise that will happen. But for now, we just keep rolling. Uh, OKC on Wednesday for what could be win number six in a row and off to Orlando on Friday and Miami on Saturday. I will be back to talk to you after the OKC game on Wednesday. I'll have Britt joining me on Thursday afternoon. Then we'll move on to the weekend. Until then, that's five in a row. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.